0: This is Sarah Hart Unger. Welcome to Best Laid Plans, the podcast about all things planning and planning adjacent. So, welcome. This is likely going to be the last episode of the season. As I mentioned, we will be going on a brief hiatus in July so that I can come back fresh and full of new ideas for you as the academic year begins in August. So, for today, because I wanted to try to go out with a bit of a bang, I decided that I would do an off the cuff episode, just answering all of your questions. And so on Monday's episode, I put out a call on Instagram as well as in the episode. And I invited you all to submit questions via my stories. And I got a ton of fantastic questions. So to be honest, I'm wondering if this may actually become two episodes because I don't want them to be much longer than the 20, 25 minutes of my normal length. I think that's more than enough to hear one person speaking. <laughs> so anyway, this might be part one. We will see where we get to, but I'm going to do my best to answer every single one of them. And as I mentioned, so no rehearsal for these answers. This is pretty off the cuff. So you're going to get lots of honesty and maybe some imperfection, which is kind of how I plan. So there you go. All right, question number one comes from Carrie. She writes, I struggle with bullet journaling even though I want to love it. Have any tips? Well, I guess my biggest tip would be don't force yourself to bullet journal if you don't love it, even though you want to love it. Maybe you'd be better in a more structured planner. I personally experimented bullet journaling. I found it fun, but I found it a lot of work. And it is something that while I do incorporate bullet journal-like elements into some of my planning processes, I don't really have a bullet journal. So maybe it's kind of the direction you need to go as well. So think about what you like and see if you can incorporate those elements, but don't pressure yourself to follow any specific method when it comes to planning or journaling. The bullet journal, the traditional one, is a pretty structured thing. And if it doesn't exactly fit your needs, that's okay. You can use what you like and abandon what you don't. All right, next question. Plan for it all asks, what is your favorite thing to plan in the summer? I would say... I really enjoy planning vacations. I mean, we always do at least one kind of week-long adventure. Well, pre-COVID we did. And this year, I've really enjoyed putting together a trip, which even if rates do rise in our community, we would still feel comfortable taking because we're going to an Airbnb and going to mostly be outside on the beach. So I would say that's my favorite part of summer planning. I also enjoy making my summer reading list, as I've talked about. Just a little bit different flavor to my reading really an emphasis on fun and getting lost in kind of juicy novels. All right, EJS192 asks, how often do you fail to meet longer-term goals? How do you balance realism and ambition? Well, I fail to meet longer-term goals all the time. Sometimes I will decide that actually I don't want to meet said goal anymore. I think that I actually have a pretty healthy Balance and I do some conscious reevaluating of my goals as I talked about my mid year goals to make sure that something I've put on my list is still something I'm very interested in. Now, there may be two reasons to complete a goal. One is because the end result is really going to be beneficial, even if I don't feel like doing the project. And I have to think about is this really a necessary stepping stone in my career? Or is this really something that will help one of my children, like that they need it? Then maybe it's worth doing, even if I'm not entirely invested or interested in the actual process of the goal. But if it's not, and I'm not enjoying the process, then it's probably a goal to leave behind. So I've set a lot of goals that I've decided not necessarily to abandon forever, but that might not be a great thing for me to work on right now. The number of times I've talked about writing an ebook is many and the number of eBooks I've produced is zero. So that gives you an answer there. I've also come to kind of embrace the fact that it's okay to make goals that you're not going to do. I think that if we put the pressure on ourselves that we have to complete every goal that we put on our list, we're gonna be paralyzed about making the list to begin with and that kind of takes away some of the fun of life. So give yourself permission to abandon a book or a goal if it is no longer serving you. Next question. And this one comes from HoneyPress NC, which is a great online shop for stationary goods based in North Carolina. She writes, do you ever get into a mode of planning overwhelm and want to revamp your systems? Well, <laughs> those of you who have listened to this podcast know that I do plenty of revamping of my systems, probably too much. Again, this was not something that I always used to do. I stuck with similar systems for years and years, although I would kind of revamp my layouts. I think the pandemic threw many of us into multiple tailspins. And one of the effects on me is that I changed up my planning several times. It was a coping mechanism. And as coping mechanisms go, I think it's a fairly healthy one. So yeah, I definitely get into that mode. And sometimes it does feel better just to start fresh. And i have definitely given myself that permission and no regrets on that. She also asks, Do you have a prime environment for planning, music, or setting? I do almost all of my planning at my desk, which I do not have my own off. Well, okay. In our house, I kind of have two places that I sit. I have an upstairs office that is in my bedroom. We have a really large bedroom. It's kind of a weird house layout. So there's plenty of room for a desk on one side of our room. And I don't love working up here most of the time, but I will do it if I really need quiet from the kids. For example, when we were on lockdown and we were doing telehealth, I saw my patients up here because I didn't want to be in the middle of the house talking to patients. However, I do most of my planning in the early morning or like in the evening if my kids are watching a movie. And during those times, I'm usually downstairs at my desk that is next to our kitchen in our main kind of playroom. There's this little nook where I have my whole all my weights. I have yoga mats and I have my desk and it's kind of like my downstairs office. Like I know some women have like a kitchen office. This is right next to the kitchen. So it's kind of like my kitchen office. And that is where I do most of my planning. I don't usually put music on. If I did, it would have to be instrumental because I feel like maybe my brain uses words. And if I'm listening to music that has words or a podcast, I wouldn't really be able to think linearly the way I need to when I'm planning. Planning takes a lot of my brain power. So I guess if I thought about it, I might put on like some instrumental spa music. And I have done that occasionally, but usually I don't have any music on. Usually it's just the kids' TV I hear in the background. Or if everybody's asleep, I'm just being as quiet as possible to hope that everybody stays asleep. The next question comes from Amanda. She writes, how do you get back on track when you have a week that goes totally off the rails? This happens to me plenty. The main instigators for a week going totally off the rails are a child getting sick or myself getting sick. Both of those things will kind of mess up any plan that I might have in place. Oh, I guess number three would be a childcare emergency where I don't have the normal childcare that I'm expecting. And when I have one of those weeks, I really pare down what I expect to get done that week. I pare down my workouts. I plan on sleeping in later. I don't worry about getting a million things checked off. If I have some sort of long-term daily project, I give myself permission to ignore it. So I would say that when things happen and especially when I get sick, I just let things accumulate and know that I'm going to have to recover when things are better. I don't try to force myself through. And I think when I was younger, I tried a little bit more, but learned that it was completely futile and I'd rather just recover and rest. So I would say that you know, that's what I do when I, when things go off the rails and when I'm trying to get back on track, then that is always a thoughtful planning session and making lists about what needs to be made up and what doesn't, and maybe planning in time to get the essential done. Like the main thing that builds up for me that I really, really need to keep up with is patient calls. So I will look on my calendar and figure out, okay, this night I need to stay later at work, or I need to you know, make sure I get them done during lunchtime or whatever so that I can catch up with what is really, really important. And the stuff that wasn't important that just didn't happen, like workouts or things like that, I do not try to make them up in any way, shape, or form. The next question, I don't know that I have a great answer to. Any recommendations for how to begin teaching a planning system to a tween? For me, the main thing we've done is just modeling. I like to have planning sessions with my nine-year-old. I mean, nine isn't exactly a tween yet, although she's a fairly mature nine-year-old in some ways, and her art ability and planning ability is probably in the tween range right now. So it's more just doing it with her. I've also had her watch a few planner videos that are geared towards kids. She is really excited about potentially using a cultivate what matters like kids planner next year. So I think just immersing them in it and letting them see some of it that is child appropriate can be really helpful to get them excited for planning in the future. I know Organized 365 also has a targeted kids program. So that's something else that you could check out. Emily asks, are you using Silk and Sonder? I would love to hear your system if so. So I've ordered Silk and Sonder twice just for one month. And this time I actually ordered a kid's journal as well because I, for the summer, I thought that might be fun. I think it's a wonderful product. The paper is lovely. The layouts are beautiful, but it is too much for me to fill out because for me, it doesn't really suit the purpose of a primary planner. I need to be able to plan forward and back. And since they only have one month, I can't do that. And they don't really have a page for each day. So I can't use them like for my normal life system. So it would become more of a journal. And I sort of tried to do that in June, but there were so many trackers and things to fill out that I just felt like I wasn't doing it justice. And then I sort of felt guilty because I had these blank pages. And so Silk and Sonder is not for me. But if you are someone who generally plans electronically and you just want beautiful journals to fill in and color and track various things, then Silk and Sonder might be a really fun thing to delve into. And for the uninitiated, Silk & Sonder is a monthly subscription service journal. They're like these small paper spiral notebooks. I think they're A5 size, but they're fairly thin. They only have one month's worth of content, and they ship you one every month in a subscription model. So again, I love the concept. In practice, it is probably not the system for me. So I don't think I'll be ordering again, but I, I think it could be great for others. The next question is, from Andrea and I'm glad she had the courage to ask. She said, I am a new listener and I'd love to know what you mean by quintile goals. One out of five. So sometimes I feel like I'm repeating myself too much when I describe my quintile system, but we do get new listeners sometimes, which is wonderful. And I'm so excited to see the audience grow. So for those who are not aware of quintiles, I divided the year into five because with kids, And a school calendar, I did not feel like the Q1, Q2, Q3, Q4 traditional quarterly system was serving me. So Q1 is from January 1st to spring break. Q2 is from spring break to the end of the school year. Q3 is the summer. So whenever the kids are off from school till when they go back. Q4 is the start of school until November 1st. And Q5 is what I call reflection season, begins right after Halloween and ends December 31st. So that's, that's when you do all the kind of thinking and planning ahead for the next year. I could have just made it four quarters and had a really long quarter, I guess, from the start of school to December 31st. But I don't know, there's something special to me about the last couple months in the year. And I wanted to recognize them as such. So those are quintiles. Lisa asks, when and how do you plan your weekends? I always struggle to plan these well. I don't have to do as much planning for the weekends as I guess I do for the week, but I usually try to look ahead and just think of a couple of anchor events that I'd like to fit in. Anchor events is a terminology I believe I got from Laura Vanderkam, learning how she planned her weekends. And particularly if my husband is going to be on call, so we have different flavors of weekends in our house. We have weekends when I'm on call. We have weekends when we're both off. And we have weekends when he's on call. He's on call about one third of the time. So if it's a Josh call weekend, then I try to plan in a couple of social outings like where we meet up with other kids or go places. My kids do um, usually have like one activity. We try to keep it to just one day. And usually in the morning, right now they're doing ice skating on Saturday morning. So that kind of takes up one part of the day. And yes, I have all three in the same class time and activity because that makes it way easier. And then we have kind of a template where right now, ever since the pandemic, we've always done takeout night on Saturday. And then on Sunday is kind of my day to make lists, order groceries or go grocery shopping, kind of prep for the week ahead. So I guess a lot of it is kind of standardized. So I don't feel like I have all that much planning to do. I certainly don't plan on every hour. I don't have a schedule. Our kids do have a very specific limitation on when we let them do screen time. Usually it's after 1pm on the weekends is when they get their iPad time and that's it. And so they do look forward to that time. And I know it's going to be kind of downtime for me as well. So that tends to be how our weekend just comes together. Jen asks, where is this notebook from?" So there's a picture of a notebook on the question that I put on Instagram, and that is actually a page out of the Silk and Sonder June journal. So there you go. There is a bunch of blank grid line pages in there. And so I used it to write out my goals because, as you know, as I noted previously, I wasn't using it for what I was, quote unquote, supposed to be using it for necessarily, but it's still lovely paper. So I put my list on there. Yuri asks, how do you manage energy? I feel like I can do all the planning, but like energy to reach goals. I struggle with that as well sometimes. Like, honestly, I'll make a plan for the week that involves getting up early every single day and getting workouts in. And usually by Thursday or Friday, I'm like, no, I need to sleep in on this given day. I would say the things that help me are, A, actually planning and rest, like planning to have a more flexible day one day or to have a night off from childcare if I can negotiate that with my husband or things like that. So if I know that I'm gonna have a break that's already in there, I'm more likely to power through the rest But I also say, you know, traditional answer to this, give yourself grace. If you're tired and there are multiple things in your list you're just not able to get to, then that's lovely to have a planner because you can think about where you could push them forward. So leave enough space so that you can be flexible when needed to address those changes in energy. As I mentioned, if I get sick, like even just a mild viral illness, I do very little. I just don't have any energy. And I think It would probably take three times as long to get anything of substance done anyway. So I would rather just try to lay low, get done the essential and not do anything else. Erica asks, how do you plan friends connections, networking or just maintaining a friendship? Well, I'm so excited for Crunch Labs to be sponsoring a part of this podcast. Crunch Labs are STEM subscription build-it-yourself boxes for kids, and my 10-year-old has been into Crunch Labs for months. He started watching these awesome engineering videos with Mark Rober and was hooked at the very first box. The kids have accompanying videos and step-by-step instructions, so he's able to build them entirely on his own, and the stuff he makes with these kids is really cool. This summer, they are hosting something awesome called Camp Crunch Labs, where kids get 12 build-it-yourself toys with one shipped every week. Plus, access to exclusive Mark Rober videos and weekly challenges that are so much fun to do and also filled with engineering nuggets, so they're definitely learning as they go, even if they don't always realize that. Camp Crunch Labs starts in June, so it's a great time to check this out and get in on the action. Go to crunchlabs.com plans to sign your kids up for Camp Crunch Labs today. If you visit by using that URL, crunchlabs.com plans, you will get two boxes free. That's a $60 value. Again, that's crunchlabs.com slash plans to sign up for Camp Crunch Labs and receive two boxes free. I am thrilled to welcome sponsor Jenny Kane back to the show. You can shop with code PLANS for 15% off. And let me tell you, there are some absolutely amazing summer pieces to choose from. Jenny Kane has a minimalist yet luxurious vibe, and the fabrics in their clothing are just perfection. For summer, think light cotton and linen, breezy silhouettes, and simple elegance. They have dresses that can be styled in so many ways to make them perfect for any occasion, and their cotton knits are perfect vacation staples. You will layer them over everything, and they can elevate every look. Jenny Kane also has amazing accessories from the perfect classic belt to gorgeous summer sandals. Enjoy a summer wardrobe refresh with Jenny Kane for pieces that will truly last for seasons to come. Find your new uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code Plans at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at com promo code plans. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. Embrace your summer aesthetic with Jenny Kane. Today's episode is sponsored in part by Earth Breeze Eco Sheets, dermatologist tested hypoallergenic liquidless laundry detergent. I love Earth Breeze because it's more convenient than jugs of liquid laundry detergent. It's more environmentally friendly and it works. EarthBreeze got rid of unnecessary chemicals for a formula that's kind to sensitive skin of all ages, including babies. And their lightweight cardboard packaging takes up just a fraction of the space in your laundry room versus traditional detergent. Just think, these tiny sheets can stop millions of detergent jugs from entering our ecosystems. In fact, 500 million detergent jugs end up in landfills and oceans every single year. That is a lot of plastic. To make things as easy as possible, EarthBreeze offers a flexible subscription so you never have to run out. I love the reduction in plastic and how well EarthBreeze works with sensitive skin. I definitely recommend giving it a try. Right now, my listeners can receive 40% off EarthBreeze just by going to earthbreeze.com slash plans. That's earthbreeze.com slash plans to cut out single-use plastic in your laundry room and claim 40% off your subscription. That's earthbreeze.com slash plans. When it's friends with kids where I know that I can meet up with them, like during weekends where my husband's on call, I think just preemptively making plans and making sure I ask like a week in advance, not like the day of, because then everyone's already busy does help. It helps me. For example, I have a really good friend and they live in Miami beach, which is now about 45 minutes away, but we see them all the time, partly because they have family up here and partly because I remember to text her and we, we make plans. So I think you have to identify which friends are important. And I think there's nothing wrong with either making a phone date and putting it in your planner Texting them, saying like, hey, what night, what commute do you want to catch up on this week? Or would you like to take a walk over the weekend and have a phone call something like that? And then, of course, you know, real meetups now that it can be safer in certain situations, planning those in. I, I don't think these things happen accidentally. You have to actively think about them. So I do think there is a significant intersection between planning and friendship. I think having a little room for spontaneity is good too so that you can say yes if you're at the pool and someone's like, hey, do you wanna come to our house for pizza after the pool? Then, you know, you don't wanna be so rigid with your plans that you're like, no, we had takeout night on the calendar at home so I'm not going to do that. So obviously being flexible where it's appropriate but I also think making the effort and planning in those connections that you want to cultivate is a worthwhile thing to do. Confetti and Sunshine blog writes, can you share a little more about your personal retreat days? Curious because I'd love to try. Yes. So I'm trying to do these every quintile. They don't necessarily happen. I take a day fully off from work so I make sure that you know my bosses and managers know I'm away. I will put an away message on on those days. I will usually book some sort of spa appointment like a massage or a facial. And then I'll plan to spend the afternoon. Currently during the pandemic, honestly, I've been doing them at home. But ideally, I'd love to like go to a museum or a beautiful garden and just whip out my planner and start thinking about goals or even use my laptop and refresh my lists and think about what I really want to do and what's important. I think you could also just plan in some more fun. I'd love to do that on my retreat days, like go to the beach or, you know, just an hour at a beautiful art museum that you otherwise wouldn't have seen. Would be a great addition as well, but for me, it's usually a combination of self pampering slash self care, planning, and maybe a little activity built in, and really no childcare until dinner time. That's that's a key portion <laughs> of my retreat days. Holly Cleans asks, how do you find motivation to stick to your plans or goals when tired? Four kids and two dogs here. Oh my goodness. That is one more kid and two more dogs than I have to contend with. So that sounds like quite a lot. Fun fact, I've told my kids we could get a dog in 2024. And now I'm sort of regretting that as that year is sounding less far away. Anyway, um, as I mentioned, if I'm super tired or sick, then I might not stick to my plans. So I don't know that the right answer is finding motivation to stick to your plans and goals when tired. Make sure you're not piling more goals than are reasonable onto your plate. I would never, for example, put a workout goal in the evening. I never have the physical energy to do it. I'd rather just move on to the next day. Or maybe if, you know, five workouts a week aren't working for you at a given time, you need to dial it down in that phase of life to three. I'd rather make a goal manageable for my current energy than repeatedly come up against the goal and fail or make your goal flexible. I do plan in seven workouts a week, for example, but I kind of know that two of them I'm probably going to skip. The two that I skip will vary. So I feel like that's enough balance. And I also have made a pact with myself. I will never try to make up workouts. I used to do that when I was younger, like in my twenties. And it was silly. Like, what am I trying to do? Go to the Olympics? No. (laughs) So I guess... A, don't make your plans too ambitious. Try to match them more to your energy. B, give yourself permission. And C, remember you know what is important and ask for help because if you are doing all of the childcare and that's always pushing all of your personal goals aside and you have a partner that is getting to meet their goals, then maybe there needs to be a negotiation about how you could both get in some of your goals and, and help each other out a little bit more. Ms. Michelin asks, how did you make bedtime smoother for your family? Well, I would not say it's perfect. We did not have a particularly great night last night, but the things that we did are to make a very firm cutoff about going upstairs. So we try that, like, I'll warn them 10. So, okay, basically we allow a little bit of screen time in the evenings on weeknights if they've done some reading first. And then at 7 p.m., they can watch something for about 30 minutes. And then by 7.45, and I've kind of just gotten very strict about following the clock, I tell everybody it's time to go upstairs and it's non-negotiable and we turn off the screen. We go upstairs and then we read. And I guess just having the kind of stereotyped routine, the big kids know that if it's too late, then I'm not going to get to read their portion of their book, which we're reading Harry Potter. So they like it. If we can get to that, if we can't, then everyone just goes to bed. And I I don't know, I guess I've just become a little bit more strict about the parameters because at one point, we weren't being strict and we were lying on the floor of their room and bedtime was stretching forever. And my husband and I were getting like zero moments with each other. So we just told them it was a priority. They all had to get in bed. If they came out of their room, there would be consequences. So we will take away the next ice screen time or their coveted iPad minutes if they leave the room after it lights out. So I guess it's gotten smoother because we've become more clear about our expectations. And who knows, maybe it's because they're all getting a little bit older as well. And my three-year-old is starting to, you know, not nap as much at school slash camp. And I hopefully that's helping as well. By the way, all of my kids are sleeping in one room right now. That's their choice. So our bedtime routine is a little bit unconventional. I also do a lot of solo bedtimes, although not always And I sometimes, if I've been with the kids like from, you know, 5.30 to 7.30 and then my husband gets home, I tell him it's his turn and I do not participate in bedtime at all. And that is also lovely on occasion. All right. A Quilting Life asks, about how long do you spend each week on planning? That is hard to quantify. It's actually a good amount. I mean, I usually kind of plan out each day. That takes about five to 10 minutes and then definitely a longer session on friday kind of to plan my next work week out and to i mean emptying your inbox is not planning but it's also kind of figuring out when you're going to do what tasks there is an element of planning to it plus looking at the meetings ahead and kind of strategizing my goals and then there's another planning session on sunday that takes an hour or two honestly looking at the next week and all the puzzle pieces and who's going to drive who and what are we going to eat and blah 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 so i don't know altogether maybe four hours per week, if I had to guess, but that counts planning out work tasks, life tasks, and kind of a daily planning. And that doesn't count if I'm gonna do like a big monthly review or if it's the end of a quintile or the end of the year or something like that. I think it's worth it though. (laughs) I love your book list. This is from Rebecca what is your favorite book of all time? Oh my goodness. I'm not sure I could like come up with that one right on the spot. I did love Homegoing by Yag Yasi recently, as well as Greenwood by, I think it's Michael Christie. Those are two of my favorite recent favorites of all time. When I was a teenager, I loved Sylvia Plath's The Bell Jar. That is so like cliche, but I really did love that book. Some of my favorite nonfiction books are Cal Newport's books and Laura Vanderkan's books. And I, i probably give a shout out to David Allen's Getting Things Done as a very kind of influential nonfiction book that I read in the early aughts and definitely made a big impact on me. You can always find all of my book lists on my blog, well, at least going from 2020. I wish I had tracked my reading prior to that. And I tend to read about two to one novels to nonfiction, so twice as many fiction and novels compared to nonfiction. And I've been averaging right around the 50 book a year mark for the past two or three years. It seems to be kind of my sweet spot. I guess that's about four books a month. Yep. Four books a month. And, you know, I don't even do that on purpose, but I noticed that right now it's June 22nd. So there's about nine days left before the end of the first half of the year. And I've read 24 books. So I would not be surprised if I read one more book in the next nine days, and then I'm exactly on track for 50, even though I didn't mean to. Rebecca also asks, what is something in life that you don't plan? Ooh, that's a fun question. What do I not plan? Well, you know, there's the unmentionable like encounters that (laughs) I don't really plan, which is probably a good thing. I don't plan. I don't plan that much on weekends. I mean, we kind of, again, go with the flow of our and I might plan one or two things, but a lot of times we will wake up and be like, who, what do you guys want to do today? Where do you want to go? So I think our my weekends are pretty unplanned. I don't really plan what I'm gonna do in the evenings either. I don't really do that much, quite honestly, but it's not like I typically have that much of a schedule for those times. I guess that's it. <laughs> it's not very much. Okay. Melissa at oh, that was so nice. She just wrote, I just wanted to tell you I love the podcast. Looking forward to it every week. Thank you so much. Am I going to get through all of these? Yes, I think I am. We're going to keep going. All right. Bonnie asks, I love my calendar and lists, but can't seem to keep it up to date. Any tips for making it a daily routine and habit? Yes, I think you should try to do it at the same time. Think really about your day and where it would fit in and try to make it like part of your daily routine. So, I mean, that sounds silly because you asked for tips for making it part of your daily routine, but I would choose another event that you can anchor it to like, okay, when I drink my coffee, I put my list together or maybe think about like, do you have to get up 10 minutes earlier to get it done? Cause I'm not saying like get up at 4am or 5am even, but maybe if you normally get up at seven and you can't get it done, maybe get up at 6:50 and see if you could Do it in those extra 10 minutes or think about if the evenings are a better time for you to be updating your calendars and lists. So I would just try to anchor it to a time. Lunchtime might even be a good time. I mean, maybe you're done with work for the morning and it's a slower time and nobody's bothering you and you could take 10 or 15 minutes to update things and, you know, keep things up to date. I would love to hear a little bit more, Bonnie. So maybe we could deep dive into this in a future episode. Like, what have you tried? What time are you trying to do it now? Are other things routines in your life or is it just a theme of not really being able to stick to routines? I'm kind of interested in this one. So feel free to follow up. Chloe had like five questions. (laughs) So I'm going to try to answer them. What calendar are you using next year? I don't know. I mean, I have my Erin Condren, which goes all the way through next June and I really do like it. So I'm probably going to keep using that. And I do have my eye on, and I have the simplified daily. I don't have as much faith that I'm going to use that for all 12 months, but we'll see. Maybe I'll fall in love with it. And I think I want to buy my first notique agenda and get some inserts to kind of have a accessory notebook that's really fancy and beautiful using their stuff because I just keep clicking over to that lush green color and I can't stop looking at it. And I also feel like, I don't know, I'd love to just delve into ring bound or disc bound because everyone else loves it. And I want to experience that fun of being able to customize my own things. So that may be something else I delve into next year. Favorite tracker. If I could only pick one, you know, I suck at doing trackers. Like I start them and then sometimes it feels like too much pressure. I also really don't like streaks or the pressure of streaks. So I guess I do kind of check off my workouts, but even then I don't really track them. So I guess if I was going to track anything religiously, it would be screen time just to keep paying attention to it. But I don't really track anything religiously, which is kind of interesting because I've tried too many times. Audio, paper, or ebook, what is your favorite format? Paper. I get my books from the library a lot of times. I get the paper ones. I pick them up. I drop them off. I love it. Or I order books, you know, to actually come to my house or I go to bookstores. I love paper books. By far, that's my favorite. What is my favorite quintile? I can only choose one. Oh no, probably the back to school quintile or the reflection quintile. So I'd say four or five. And a shout out to quintile one because I live in South Florida and that's probably the quintile with the best weather, January 1st to mid-April. Favorite planning season, definitely the end of the year and pre-January. And best post-COVID planning moment. Ooh, probably just getting to think about planning vacations again. It was very thrilling to be able to even think about booking travel in 2022. Here's a new one. Question for you. How do you balance using a planning system that works for you with trying new ones for the purposes of podcasts and blog content? Do you find your switch up your system more now that you're reviewing more project products and systems for the podcast and blog? Well, I've had the blog a long time and I have reviewed planners for the blog in the past. And usually when I would review them previously, I didn't actually delve in and use them. I would just review kind of the contents, which is fun, but I never get to know a product as well as when I'm actually using it myself. So there is probably an influence of using more products since I've been doing this podcast. But as I mentioned, the pandemic also had that effect on me and I started the podcast in August of 2020. So I don't know, you know, which came first there. However, I think I'm going to switch less often than I've been switching. I feel pretty confident about my current products, at least for the next six months or so. So I don't think I'll be switching quite as much if that helps answer your question. The next one I can't answer, but I'll throw it out to the audience in case anyone has any ideas. Off Headset writes, I have a pen question. My toddler has spilled water on my planner or journal several times, making the ink on my writing run. This makes me sad, especially in my journal. It would make me sad too, let me tell you. And honestly, my three and a half year old has started to figure out where my pens are and like sometimes draw errant marks on things and it does not make me very happy. Rex for pen when the ink won't run when wet. I'm not even sure what search terms to use to find what I'm looking for. I like a 0.38 point pen and I like having pens in multiple colors. I also like having a retractable pen, but that's a lower priority. I don't know. I feel like all of my pens run when they get wet. There is a, I believe, Stetler fineliner that uses permanent ink. My daughter had it for an art project. So that might not run when wet, but I have not tested it out myself. You could also become a pencil aficionado. That's not what you asked for, but maybe fancy pencils or mechanical pencils with really nice let in them, that wouldn't run when it gets wet or start finding a really high shelf for your planner so that if you're not with it or holding it, your toddler won't be able to get to it. Those are all the ideas I have about that. And I think that is all of your questions. These were such wonderful questions. Thank you so much for submitting them. I will have to do this kind of a, a episode. You know, normally I've done Q&As, but I've kind of gone into depth with each question. And those are more like, I don't know, addressing specific planner dilemmas. These were more off the cuff, but this was so much fun. I hope you enjoyed this episode. We are going to air some past favorites. So maybe if you're newer to this podcast, you're going to find some great episodes from the archives that will interest you about different planning techniques. So you'll watch out for those the next few weeks. And I will be back with new episodes and lots of exciting guests in August. I'm also lining up fall sponsors. So if you are a small business or a company that is interested in sponsoring some episodes of best laid plans, I can send you our specification guide and our rates. So please just let me know. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd love like this episode, then please, I'd love it if you'd leave me a review because I'd love this podcast to continue to grow as we resume in the fall. But it's been a pleasure doing it. So thank you all for being here. And listening to the end of this longer episode. Have a wonderful summer, and I will see you close to quintile four. Bye. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, Women's Voices Amplified.